We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That gentleman sitting right over there. Next to the dog that's sleeping, that's Chris Biederman. Well, the, the guy sitting there is Chris Biederman. The dog is, is Roscoe. Chris Biederman, he covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I think that's Roscoe's one of very few shout-outs he's gotten on the pod. So, uh, love that dog. Chris covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. It's a bye week, folks. What do you want? Um, <laughs> I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. We're going to talk about the Saints game a little bit today. What's ahead for the 49ers after the bye week? Because Chris and I are going to get a little bit of R&R, both R's, not just one or the other. We're getting rest, relaxation. And our next pod after today won't be until Friday. So we're going to try next Friday, that is. So we're going to kind of try and cover a lot of stuff here before before we head out for the bye week. Yeah, we 2020 uh, has been a year, man. And um, I don't know if you and I talk about like personal stuff on this pod or, or whatever, but just tired of sitting in the house, doing a lot of reporting from home, a lot of sitting at my desk, which is about uh, 
I would guess maybe 48 inches wide. I, I, I don't have the biggest desk. Um, and so a lot of sitting in, in this room since March. So, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be nice to change things up for a little bit and, and take, take a breather that not, I think everybody could use. It's not the size of the desk, Chris. Uh, <laughs> it's the content it's a content created in the desk. exactly yeah so before we hit the bye week let's dive into this 49ers loss to the saints 27 13 the saints victorious at the superdome but not for a lack of opportunities for the 49ers and i think that was the biggest takeaway for me from from sunday was the 49ers looked more competitive than they did against the Packers, but they still looked like a team that was missing a few parts and they made some mistakes and they made mistakes that are really glaring when you don't have your best players on the field. Yeah, totally agree. Um, I don't know. I I know people were upset uh, about the game because of how it went and the opportunities that the team had. Um, And particularly given that the saints lost Drew Brees after halftime because of that hit, uh, from Contavious Street, that that was ruled a penalty, probably shouldn't have been. But if you've been following the league at all for the past five years or so, you're not surprised to see that that play called, and ultimately it resulted in a in a pretty big touchdown there in the first half. But um, no, I mean it. You know, we didn't talk about the game super in depth last week because we thought the 49ers would lose by double digits. I think that's that's the prediction that you me Wagner we all made last week when when we talked more big picture stuff on the pod and it was because look the 49ers are just going to be overmatched against probably 80 percent of their opponents right now Mm -hmm. just because of everything they're dealing with from from an injury standpoint and we don't have to go through them all but like you know you're out Debo Samuel you're out George Kittle you're out Jimmy Garoppolo um you're out Nick Bosa you're out D Ford you're out Richard Sherman it's just it gets to a point where going to beat a good team on the road is going to be too tall of a task because you simply don't have the talent. So, you know, driving around, listening to talk radio today, um, you know, people were really upset, really critical about it. And and I get it because there were opportunities in that game for San Francisco. But it's like, I don't know how anybody could watch what's happened this season and expect the 49ers to win that game and ultimately be upset when they lose. Um, just because they don't have the horses right now. And and they might get some horses after this bye. Um, Richard Sherman could come back. Raheem Mostert could come back. Um, Debo Samuel could come back. So at least now you're you're getting two really important players on offense and arguably your most important player in the in the secondary. Um and, and maybe the 49ers can put together a little run here, but um, you know, I, I think the goal for them really now has to be, and, and we'll dive into the game, but just a, a bigger picture thing coming out of the game. Um, you know, if you go four and two over your last six, considering that four of the opponents you're going to play are currently in the playoff hunt or have playoff spots at the moment, right? Um, you go four and two and you get to eight and eight. I think that's a pretty outstanding finish to the season. Um, I don't know if it'll be enough to to get into that seventh spot in in the playoffs, but um, you know, I, I think that's sort of how how you have to approach this season. Otherwise, I mean, you're gonna be you're gonna be really upset because the 49ers are not gonna have a better roster than just about everybody they play. Maybe with the exception of of Washington, um, and you know, I don't I don't even know. You know, I, I think maybe I, Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. 
maybe Dallas. Yeah, so, like certainly that, not Buffalo or any team in their division. Right. So so really, you know, if they lose to Washington, obviously that's that's reason for concern because that's a team that you should beat, you know, particularly on your home field, just just sort of regardless. Yeah. And you should probably beat Dallas given that um they they're not gonna have their starting quarterback either. But you know, like I, I don't think I don't come away from that New Orleans game on Sunday with with a changed opinion about much of anything that happened. You know, we we knew the running game has been bad recently. Jarek McKinnon obviously entered the year as the third or fourth running back. Um, The fact that he's starting and struggling in that role is not entirely surprising after missing two seasons. Right. Um, So, yeah, there's not a whole lot for me to take away and, and, you know, really. No, nothing really happened that raised my eyebrows. I'll put it that way. They, the big thing for me, big picture wise, was the interior of their offensive line needs needs a lot of help. It's, yeah, it's got to it be better. It was it was an issue in the Super Bowl, and I think it was you who brought this up when we were talking offline. But it was an issue in the Super Bowl that they then didn't address in the off season in any significant way. And I think if everybody's healthy and the offense is running as a, as a, as a unit and practicing together and playing games together, I think it's something that you can hide a little bit more, but when you have to move your starting right guard to be the fourth string center, and then you're bringing in your second and third string right guards, there's the Niners had enough depth to overcome the injury issues they had last year. They got impressive performances on the tackles from Daniel Brunskill and from Justin School, who quitted themselves well until Mike McGlinchey and Joe Staley got healthy. Uh, Brunskill also did a nice job at, at right guard when when Mike Person went out. Uh, Ross Dwelly filled in for George Kittle. You know, these, these, these kind of one-off things where it was a game or two and they were getting by. Now they're in a situation where they're having to fill in multiple weeks with not just second stringers, but third and fourth stringers. And I don't care what you could you could have the greatest coaching staff ever assembled. If you don't have good players, it's really, really hard <laughs> breaking news to win games, no matter what your plan is, because if the players don't execute, it's it's all gonna look bad. And I oh. I I'm not maybe maybe <laughs> Because you talk about talk radio, I produce a sports talk radio show. I'm not even going to do the bit because it's annoying. <laughs> not not the bit. The bit is great. Listening to to callers and and reading texts that come in and people talking about how this is on Kyle Shanahan. And may, <laughs> maybe, but I don't understand how you can look at the roster as it's constructed and tell me that what happened on Sunday was on the head coach. Right. I don't, I, I, like I said, maybe there are flaws with him as a, as a coach. Like that's fine. I am perfectly open to that conversation. I'm not ready to say the 49ers are four and six because the head coach isn't good. Right. And, and I think, you know, like people, people will compare everything to what happened last year, which, which is fine because last year sort of set the expectations for this year. Um, but one of the reasons why the 49ers were able to overcome all the injuries that they had, not only did they have their starting quarterback and, and their skill positions on offense, maybe with the exception of Kittle at times, obviously, but they had Debo Samuel. Um, they they had a whole lot more continuity on offense than they do now. 
but they also had the best defense in the league. Like the defense was was a constant throughout the season. Um, you know, Richard Sherman only missed one game. Nick Bosa played in every game. Like those are your two most important defensive players, and those are guys who were on the field consistently that gave you a margin of error offensively. So some of some of the issues that the 49ers might have been having on the offensive side were masked by the fact that the defense could dominate games and you didn't need Jimmy Garoppolo to to be anything special during the first half of the season. And so, you know, you don't have your quarterback. You're missing so many players defensively that your defense is going to keep you in it. Like I thought the defense overall played a pretty strong game. But as constructed right now with who they have available, the defense just isn't going to dominate anybody like it did last year. Right. So that magnifies the issues that you have on offense in a way that didn't happen last year because of how good the defense was. So, like I said, I, I think it's crazy. Like Kyle Shanahan, to me, isn't isn't a different coach. Like the fact that the 49ers are four and six, to be honest, is is still pretty still pretty good. <laughs> like like given all the injuries that they have and they have what 80 million dollars worth of salary on on injured reserve and if you go through their 10 best players eight of them are unavailable right now um like it it just you know it's it's just a season where everything has gone wrong and i don't know if you can really blame anybody in particular because these are just the things that happen in football sometimes and uh and you're not going to get you know, it takes luck. Like to get to the Super Bowl does take some injury luck. And uh and the 49ers dealt with some stuff last year, but they were also able to to basically have all of their most important players with maybe the exception of Weston Richburg and and DJ Jones for the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right? Like they had all their receivers, they had all their running backs. Um they had, you know, everybody on defense essentially. Like it was you know, it was it was a healthy, healthier team throughout as the season wore on. And and they had that margin for that they simply just don't have now. So I'm not I can't look at the situation and hold it against against Kyle Shanahan um, and, and you know, use this as as a real mark on his, on his resume because they didn't they didn't go up, upset the Saints as 10 point underdogs. Yeah, one of the one of the big things and one of the reasons I think that this is such a such a discussion point is <laughs> the worst thing that happened to the 49ers from this standpoint is Nick Mullins playing well a couple times in 2018 and then playing well when he came in against the Giants and started that game this year because there's an expectation now that Nick Mullins could be a starting quarterback in the league Doug Peterson said before the 49ers and Eagles played that the 49ers have two starting quarterbacks, Nick Mullins and Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's becoming more and more clear if it wasn't to somebody already that Nick Mullins is not a starting quarterback in the NFL, at least not one that's going to win games for a team. In 24 of 38 yesterday, 247 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. In the flow of the offense, he's fine. And the numbers back this up. I naturally closed the tab right before we started. But... His completion rate drops almost 20 points when he's under pressure. His yards per attempt dropped like four yards. He's thrown one touchdown, I think five interceptions under pressure this year. And that's where that's where the issues kind of arise because you're going to face that as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And if you can't handle it, you're, you're probably not going to win. And we saw the Saints put a ton of pressure on him yesterday. I think Nick Wagner 
from ESPN, our favorite cast member tweeted that the Saints brought pressure on like 41% of Mullins dropbacks, which is insane. And it makes the 49ers super easy to game plan for. And so part of, I, I say all that to get back to the Shanahan thing, he's held in such high regard as a coach that the 49ers lose their starting quarterback and the expectation is that they're going to continue to move the ball and win. And I, I, I don't know how many coaches that's, that's the case for. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair point. And I, I think it's, um, you know, it's a product of just the expectation. And, and the thing is, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a week, it's a week to week league, you know, even good teams don't win every game. Like the NFL is very, very difficult. And, and I think the, the, what people sort of forget to realize is that there's a razor thin margin between being a 12, 13 win team and being a six or seven win team. And within that line is injuries. And if you lose your quarterback or your all pro tight end or your potential defensive player of the year candidate pass rusher, like these are all things that are going to be really difficult to overcome one at a time. But when you're dealing with all three at once, and your all-pro cornerback who's going to go to the Hall of Fame at some point. Like, you know, it, it's just too much. It's, it's just too much. And and for, for the 49ers to be competitive in these games and have opportunities to win, I think, reflects well on Kyle Shanahan. But, but the area that I do think Shanahan deserves criticism for, and th- this, is, this is a very small part of his job, but it has big... Um, you know, it, it really impacts how games go sometimes like fourth and short, you gotta be better. <laughs> you, you're yes. like, if you're, yes. if you're the best off, one of the best offensive play callers in the league, if everybody gushes about how diverse your running game is and, and gushes about your ability to get guys open in space, just through scheme, like you gotta do better than Jen, just trying to ram Jarek McKinnon up, up the middle on, on fourth and short. And that happened in the Eagles game. Um, it happened obviously on Sunday and it led to a Saints touchdown and, you know, allowed them to take the lead going into halftime, which was a big problem. And yeah, you miss blocks up front, but like, you're not putting your team in the best position to make those plays when you're sort of, um, I guess hamstringing yourself by taking away the creativity that you're known for by just running it up the middle. Um, and oftentimes against some of these teams, that's where their best defenders happen to be, too. So I, I think Shanahan has has a fourth and short problem, but I think ultimately that can be correctable and uh, and is is a very small part of it. But otherwise, like I'm not looking at Sunday's game and being like, wow, OK, so we really need to reevaluate Kyle Shanahan as a coach. That's I don't there's very, I, I don't think that's going to happen for me at any point this season. No, same. And so that's, that's, you hit it on the head. You can think that that fourth and short call, it was a significant play in the game. Yeah. You can think that that was an abysmal play call while simultaneously not putting the last squarely on Kyle Shanahan's shoulders. Because that was a, that was a, Jarek McKinnon has not been very good lately. The offensive line has not been very good lately. And, to go into a I get why you're going into shotgun because you want the threat of the pass there and maybe you get the defense to sit back on their heels a little bit. I fine. But a shotgun run on a fourth and short, like there's gotta be 
10 other plays they could have gone with there that might have had a higher success rate. Like, you're snapping it to Jarek McKinnon in that situation. Like, and we've seen how that goes. I, I, I don't. Right. And, and your weakest part of your offense, aside from just the quarterback in general, is, is the interior of the offensive line. So why run behind Colton McKivitz? Yeah. Right. Get, Who wasn't get, good. Get behind Trent Williams and, and Lake and Tomlinson and let them go to work. And yeah. I'm, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to sit here and be, be armchair quarterback, armchair head coach guy, but there has to be a better play in the playbook in that situation. Yeah. They're and just, there probably is. And he, he said after the game, he wishes he had that sequence back. Um, so that's it. But like, you know, it was, it was, you know, Kyle Shanahan isn't there. There's, there's nothing about Kyle Shanahan's coaching that leads to guys dropping punts. That's okay. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> like the 49ers didn't have that problem at all last year. Right. And it's, it's, you know, with the exception of Trent Taylor, like it's the same guys. Um, and Trent Taylor was pretty trustworthy when he was catching punts in, in 2017, um and Richie James didn't muff a punt all year except for the Super Bowl and he had he had one on Sunday. So um you know, I, I think I think those are the issues. It's it's a talent issue, it's a fact that so many guys are hurt. And when you're in that situation, you have to play more or less a perfect game to beat a playoff team on the road, and the 49ers didn't, um, and they lost. And and so, you know, when you give the Saints short fields and they scored 17 points on three possessions that started at the 49ers 25 21 and 22 and one of those the one that started on the 25 which I think they kicked a field goal because they went minus eight yards on it which is a credit to the 49ers defense but that was a 75 yard kickoff return and the special teams issues on top of the muff punts like you just can't allow a 75 yard kickoff return that's that's like that's kind of like a turnover almost You're just giving, you're you're giving the team, the opposing team, the ball deep in your own territory, basically in the red zone. So, um, yeah, the, the, the Niners had issues that, that I don't think fall squarely on Shanahan. Let's, uh, let's hit a quick break and get to our good and bad games and the Demontre Moore MVP award, the everybody's favorite part of our (laughs) podcast. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with your candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month according to job score total visits so it's clear indeed can help you get the quality hire you need that's why there are more than three million businesses worldwide using indeed for hiring right now indeed is offering our listeners a free 75 dollars credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see your post fast try indeed with a free 75 dollars credit at indeed.com slash blue wire this is their best offer available anywhere go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire 
B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Football is back in full swing. We are 10 weeks in, folks, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. The 49ers may not be winning a lot, but you can. From game spreads and totals, you got team, player, and coaching props. It's all there for you. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. That's right. You're not just picking a winner or a loser or a point spread. There are so many props to choose from. It's incredible. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every single day, Monday through Sunday or Sunday through Saturday. However you do the week, if you're a weirdo, Sunday's the first day person, do you. Every day is available for you. Head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. All one word, Blue Wire. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's do uh, let's do good game, bad game. Who was good? Who was bad? Pretty straightforward. It's a version of like winners and losers, but calling a professional athlete a loser seems weird to do for for a couple of guys sitting at their at their desks. So um, we'll start with a good game. And Brandon Ayuk was good again on Sunday. Seven catches. He had 14 targets. Seven catches, 75 yards, and a touchdown. And I think the the thing that I was most impressed with, Chris, and and I, I would like to get your thoughts on this, I was more impressed, like, early in the game, Malcolm Jenkins knocked a pass away from from Ayuk but it was just a great play by Jenkins. Ayuk ran an excellent route and was wide open. The safety just came over and made a really great play. And then later in the game against Janoris Jenkins, he ran a really nasty stutter and go and drew a pass interference penalty. Some called it a huge pass interference penalty uh, late in the game. And it, he he drew that penalty because his route was was really, really nice. And to me, it's becoming clearer and clearer that he will be able to fill that Emmanuel Sanders role of being a receiver that can, that can be effective in all three levels of the passing game. And he can be part of the running game too, which Sanders wasn't really. Um, Brandon Ayuk's last three games, six catches, 115 yards uh, in new England, eight catches on 10 targets with a touchdown, 91 yards in Seattle, uh, seven catches, 75 yards and a touchdown against the saints. Um, I mean, I, I haven't gone through all of the, you know, all the rookie receiver numbers, but I mean, I've said it on this podcast. I, I think it's it's pretty clear to me that Brandon Ayuk is on a star trajectory. Um, and I think if the Niners are able to get Debo Samuel back um, after the bye and get Raheem Mostert back, I'm very curious to see if Brandon Ayuk's numbers start to jump even more because now you're creating... Sure more opportunities for other guys to take focus off of Ayuk, mm-hmm. right? Like you, with, with the way the 49ers have used Samuel so far this season, there's a lot of the, the misdirection running plays and the shovel passes and all of those things. Those are all ways to create window dressing, to potentially take shots down the field. 
And I think it's very clear right now with George Kittle out in particular, <clears throat> excuse me, that, that Brandon Ayuk is, is your best downfield threat. So, um, he's been really, really good the last few games. He has three, three touchdowns in his last four games. Um, didn't play against the Packers, obviously probably would have had a big game in that one, given what we saw Richie James do in yeah. his role last second. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm all the way in on Brandon Ayuk and, um, and I think, uh, he's probably the most exciting young player the 49ers have right now. Yeah. And just, just to kind of belabor that point, <laughs> I, he his three touchdowns are are his three receiving touchdowns are the most on the team. He's two catches behind George Kittle for the team lead. He's like thirty yards behind Kittle for the team lead. He he's gonna wind up leading the team in receiving. And <laughs> with Devo Samuel out, Brandon Ayuk is earning twenty nine and a half percent of the available targets, which is good. It should he probably not, be more. It, I I mean maybe. But a 30 and almost 30% target share is it's a sign that he's getting open and quarterbacks are looking for him because they know he can make plays. Yeah. And they got Jalen Ramsey and the Rams um, after the bye. So it'll be interesting to see if how that matchup unfolds. Yeah. Uh, next guy, Jordan Reed. Yeah. Good game. Yeah. Really good game. Jordan Reed. Five catches, 62 yards. Uh, he had a long of 26. I think what everybody's going to remember is that one-handed catch where he basically just grabbed it off the turf somehow. Um, it was a third third and long, and, and I think he came up a yard or two short of getting the first down. But an incredible catch. And watching Jordan Reed play when he is healthy, I mean, it one, one of the, the football tragedies, I don't know if tragedy is the right word, but one of the minor football tra- tragedies. A what if? A what if is that we're probably not going to get any legitimate sample size of Jordan Reed and George Kittle playing together. Yeah. Um. At the same time, because I, I think the 49ers would be incredibly difficult to defend. Um. If both those guys were healthy, and, and you could obviously say the same thing about Jalen Hurd and and the 20 other guys that they're missing. But, um, Jordan Reed, good game, and uh, when he's healthy. Certainly a dynamic weapon, and we know Nick Mullins likes his tight ends. The thing that was so impressive about Reed, like five catches and 62 yards, is it's a good game, but it felt like four of those catches were of the holy shit variety. <laughs> like, like, oh, what? Wait, he caught that? Like, though, that kind of play that not not a lot of tight ends in the league make. And yeah. just to just to that what if point. It's it's so clear why Washington continued to hang on to this guy because right. when he's healthy, he is so so good at football. And Sunday, like I said, it was it was four at, at least four, maybe all five of his catches, including that one-handed shoestring grab. That the level of difficulty was 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 pretty high, and I think if he does come back next year and he is healthy, I I completely agree with you on him and Kittle being being really hard to stop because I'm not a hundred percent sure how you would even go about trying to trying to defend those two guys at the same time. Yeah, so he played 31 snaps. Um that's the most he's played this season, uh, which is notable, um, just given all the injury stuff. 44% of the snaps. His previous high was 28 total snaps, 46% of the snaps. 
against the Jets in that game where he caught two touchdown passes. Um, I'm I'm interested to see if he can remain healthy over the final six weeks and how that might impact what happens to him in the offseason. And um, if he's good and, and available during those six games, I would have to think the 49ers would try to bring him back maybe on a cheap contract, um, maybe on another one-year deal, and, and then maybe you do get to see Reed and Kittle play next year. Or, you know, maybe Kittle come, does come back in late December. I'm, I'm not ruling that out entirely, but it does feel unlikely. Um, yeah. But yeah, Reed's Reed's going to be an interesting guy to watch over over the final six games if he can stay on the field. Next one, last good game here, Javon Kinlaw. It wasn't a dominant jump off the page, holy crap performance, but he got his first career sack. He had a one tackle. and a half. He had one and a half of those. He had a tackle for loss on a third and short. Taysom Hill tried to run to his side, and Javon Kinlaw moved uh Andres Pete out of the way which is not super easy to do he's a good player and on Kinlaw's sack he had to fight through a holding penalty where the offensive lineman just kind of grabbed him by the front of the jersey and threw him to the ground and Kinlaw just fought through it and yeah. made the play there again it's not it's not a full game yet but Brian Baldinger on Brian Baldinger on Twitter did a did a really good video of a, of a bunch of Kinlaw's good plays and again, it's not a it's not a full game of him being awesome yet, but the flashes are there and they're becoming more frequent and they're becoming more kind of eye popping and it's getting more clear as the season goes on why the 49ers are so high on him. Yeah, I think he's gonna be good. I don't know if he's gonna be a star. Um, but if you get, you know, I going into year two and year three, I would expect, based on what we've seen from Javon Kinlaw so far, that Kinlaw is going to be somebody that um, he's not going to be DeForest Buckner. Maybe maybe not next year. If he does get to that level, probably be three or four years down the road, and that's probably the best case scenario. But I think he could be, um, you know, I think he could be potentially Fletcher, Fletcher Cox or Akeem Hicks. Like, I, I think he has that level of talent. It's just going to take some time to develop him. And obviously you need good players around him. Um, And next year, if you can get Nick Bosa healthy, uh, figure out who your other defensive end is, whether that's Steve Ford or not. Um, If you bring DJ Jones back, who's a free agent. um, I think Javon Kinlaw could, could take a pretty sizable leap from year one to year two. And if he does, then the DeForest Buckner trade won't, won't, look as bad at least optically as it as it does right now mostly Mm -hmm. because the Colts defense is really good and Buckner's probably one of the best defensive players on that team um but yeah I'm with you I I think Kinlaw is going to be a good player and uh we probably won't notice it on the stat sheet but like every every game there are like three or four plays where you're just kind of like oh okay that's like he's he's moving dudes around he's um he he's getting into getting penetrating gaps really quickly and using moves that I I didn't see in in my really extensive YouTube scouting at South Carolina. (laughs) Um, So he's, he's definitely developing. And, uh, and I do wonder where he would be right now if he had a a full off season, but I'm with you. I'm optimistic on Kinlaw. I think he's, he's going to be a good player. Yeah. What about our first bad performance? Uh, Colt McKivitz. Got a bunch of run. We we didn't get to ask Kyle Shanahan too too much about McKivitz um because he pushed he pushed his availability to Tuesday this week. Normally he does 
uh, the post game Sunday and then and then another one Monday afternoons. Um, but this this week because of the bye, he did it Tuesday, so we didn't get to figure out what um, exactly the plan was for McKivitz. It seemed like they were sort of rotating him in with Tom Compton, trying to get him some run. I'm generally against like rotating a guy in. Um, like if you're gonna play him, just play him. Um, and and maybe that's something we can criticize Shanahan for, I guess. But McKivitz wasn't great. He totally whiffed on his block on the on the fourth down play that we talked about earlier. Which you know maybe Kyle Shanahan looks like a genius if if McKivitz holds that block and the other guys hold their blocks and then you know McKinnon runs for a five yard gain instead of getting stuffed in the backfield. But um, not a great game for McKivitz and it's hard to it's hard to look at the situation right now and feel confident that the 49ers have the in house options they need to improve the offensive line because you don't you know the interior of the offensive line you don't know if Weston Richardson's coming back. Um, at any point, you don't know if Daniel Brunskill is going to remain the right guard next year. And you certainly didn't see enough from Colton McKivitz on Sunday to believe that he's going to be a long-term starter going forward. And maybe he yeah. develops and, you know, maybe the COVID off season hurt the offensive line a lot in terms of practice time and all that, but, um, not a great game for McKivitz in my opinion. No. Uh, the, the entire offensive line is, has been really up and down this year and we've seen them play really well together, but I think part of the issue is a, the quality of the player playing and B it's been guys rotating in and out and players getting hurt. And it's, 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 it's the theme of the year for the 49ers. It's really hard to put together a good team when you're, when your starters aren't playing the, Next bad game, it just goes to the the punt returners. You detailed a lot of their special teams issues earlier, but Trent Taylor made the first mistake, letting a ball bounce. And I know Ken Webster needs to not be anywhere close to where that ball is going to be. Catch the punt. But he's got to catch the punt. Trent yeah. Taylor, not, not Ken Webster. Trent Taylor has to catch the punt. And Richie James later on, I... I if you're placing blame, I blame Richie James less because sometimes a physical mistake just happens. Yeah. Uh, it, it just dropped passes happen, fumbles happen. That's part of the game. The Trent Taylor one of not, that's a mental mistake um, of not, of not catching that punt. Richie James again, though, like catch the punt. Uh, that just, that has, that has to happen. Um, yeah, uh, Tr- Trent Taylor's at the twenty Mattis yard line. Like you only, you only really let the punt go if you think it's going to go into the end zone. Right. Yeah. There's there. There's no unless you think you're going to drop it, in which case you shouldn't be returning punts. Yeah. So that was a un an a, this is a really good place to use this an unmitigated disaster. Yes. For the 49ers uh, on Sunday, it, one muffed punt is a game changing play. Two. I would love to know how many teams have ever muffed two punts in a game and gone on to win. I bet it's yeah. really hard. Yeah, it uh wasn't a great wasn't a great development. I mean, the, the Saints probably score more than um uh, more than 10 points if they don't get those 17 points on those drives that they that started in 49ers yeah. territory because but like the 49ers there's a very realistic chance given the way the Saints were playing and the way the Niners defense was playing in the fact Drew Brees left the game and Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders were basically non-factors, like there's a chance that the 49ers do win that game if they just clean up the special teams issues. 
Like yeah. it's yes. it's reasonable. And then we could talk about, well, wow, the defense really played its ass off and and you know, played really well against the Saints and the and the offense did just enough in a low scoring game. And we're not we're not judging everybody on the result as much as we are in this one because they win, but the process is ultimately the same of how they got there. Minus the special team stuff. Yeah, and that's um that that's that's it. Like you said, the Saints were the better team and they and they might still win anyways. But when they're three touchdown drives, total a hundred yards combined, thanks in part to the two short fields on the on the muff punts, it it makes you wonder what could have happened. because uh, even if the Niners get field goals on those two drives, I mean that's a that's an eight point swing for for right. the Saints in a in a game that came down to two touchdowns. Uh last bad game here. We'll say Jarek McKinnon. No. Um, he didn't have a good game, and I struggle because... I mean, I don't think McKinnon's running with a whole lot of juice right now. Um, and I don't... You know, it, it's this is a player who's missed the last two years. Um, obviously, the, the offensive line isn't helping him out a whole lot, and obviously the quarterback play isn't exactly creating space in the box right now. So it's understandable why McKinnon isn't playing particularly well. And I know everybody is quick to be like, well, play Jamichael Hasty more. And Jamichael Hasty's hurt, by the way. He's he's going to be out for the year with with a fractured collarbone. Um but the thing people people do with uh with the Niners running backs and you know say play Jamichael Hasty or you know play Austin Walter. It's like the, I feel like Kyle Shanahan and Bobby Turner have a better grasp of the running back situation than than the layman, right? <laughs> than, than than even me covering the team. Um, I you know McKinnon has not been good, and and you need to figure out other other ways to get the running game going at this point. I don't know that Hasty or uh, Austin Walter are are the answer. Um, I think the answer is getting Raheem Mostert back healthy. Um, and Jeff Wilson back healthy and, and Tevin Coleman back healthy to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, McKinnon hasn't been good. And and when the 49ers opened the season, I think they envisioned him as being a third down back, somebody who they would give a handful of touches and um, and somebody who could create mismatches in the passing game, not somebody that they would have to lean on to be sort of their every down guy. And so, you know, 33 yards on 18 carries, obviously not good, but a lot of those runs, I don't know how much I blame him. Um, you know, the fourth down runs, the, the classic example, like there are three guys meeting him in the backfield as soon as he gets the ball. Like I, I blame Kyle Shanahan and, and the blocking far more, you know, bef- before I would blame McKinnon in that, in that case. So there are runs obviously where McKinnon could probably get more, but it also doesn't seem like there are a ton of yards for him to get just based on the blocking and, and situationally um, the way the offense is going and, and you know, you know the, the way the backup quarterback is playing right now. But yeah, McKinnon objectively not playing very well, um, not entirely his fault, but the 49ers need to have better options in the running game because the running game is a fulcrum of, of everything they want to do. And you know, the last three games, they have 164 yards total. Sorry, 156 yards on 64 carries. They're averaging way below three yards per carry the last three games. And it's not a coincidence that they've been blown out in the last three games. So, um, 
it's a problem. All right, let's finish up with the DeMontre Moore MVP award, the much anticipated uh, <laughs> award that everybody looks forward to on, <laughs> on the game pods. Uh, DeMontre Moore, of course, former 49ers defensive end now at the Seahawks. Got the award named after him. If you don't know the story, listen to all the podcasts until you find it because I forget exactly which one uh, we came up with it in. Anyways, uh, I'm going outside the box for this one because we spent so much time talking about the miscues and the muffed punts. Marquez Callaway, Saints receiver, recovered not one, but both muffed punts. Uh, Good on him for uh, being Johnny on the spot and being good at his job and getting down near the punt returner and being there to to scoop up any mistakes. Uh, Marquez Callaway, game MVP for the Saints because I don't think um, anyone else really deserved it that much. Yeah, but... Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he was really good. Yeah, uh, I think the 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 biggest plays in the game for the Saints were getting those muff punts. So I I think that's a good call on your part. Um, I'm gonna go with Brandon Ayuk, yeah. Um, because this is a 49ers podcast, and uh, and we should have at least one 49er in in the Demontre Moore MVP conversation every every game, sort of no matter how the game turns out. But Ayuk's gonna be good, man. Um. There isn't a whole lot more analysis. I think I'm going to end up repeating myself every every game in that Ayuk is going to have like 6 to 12 catches from, you know, for 70 to 140 yards, potentially with a touchdown in the, the remaining games that the 49ers have, and he's probably going to be in this discussion a lot. So I think Brandon Ayuk's really good. Um it's a shame that the 49ers offense isn't healthier because I think he could, he could really shine with all of the pieces there around him. Um, and I think 49ers fans should be excited about, uh, about how he projects over the rest of his career with Kyle Shanahan. And, and if the 49ers are able to figure out their quarterback situation with Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody else, but uh, Brandon Ayuk to me, Niners MVP of this game. And that's about it. That's all I got. Yeah, so we're going to take the rest of this week off, and then Monday next week, well, it drops Tuesday. We're not going to do a pod because there will be no game to react to, but we will be back next Friday with a preview podcast uh, as the 49ers get set to take on the Rams after their bye week. If there's any crazy big news in the middle there, we might we might do a quick uh, pod to kind of touch on that, but... Uh, I'm not anticipating anything uh, super crazy happening between now and and next Thursday evening. So I really hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Uh, Thanks so much for listening, everybody. I'm not mad at content. You know, I'm I'm just going to, you know, uh, thanks for listening and see you guys next time. Yeah. I I just don't know what, what good news can come during the bye week. That exactly. exactly. <laughs> that, that we would need to break down. Hopefully something catastrophic needed, doesn't happen that we need to talk about. <laughs> they need a nice casual bye week. Yeah. Where nothing happens. Yep. No news is good news in 49. Okay, goodbye. See ya. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.